This is Do We Like Movies. It's a podcast where two guys review individual movies, sequels, and occasional television shows. In this show, we talk about our experiences with them, and we answer the question, Do we like this movie? Welcome to Do We Like Movies. I'm your host, Angel. And I'm a five-time, 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 five-time champion. I think that was five times. <laughs> champion host, Howdy. And Hello. all right, we are talking our first, really our, our first movie uh, review of 2024 here. Um, I know we did the last episode of Twilight last time, but uh, I feel like that's more of a carryover from 2023. We are now yeah, officially in the new year. Those don't count. We were planning <laughs> those for the fall, and then fall got extended way into January. Yeah. So um, this is officially, uh, and just in time for Oscar season, as a lot of people are talking about a lot of Oscar buzz around this film, too. Yeah. So this week we're talking about the Iron Claw, the 2023 uh, A24, uh, you know, produced movie uh, directed by uh, Sean Durkin, who I haven't really seen anything that he's done before. He hasn't done a ton, but um, yeah, this is a a big feature film for him. Uh, This movie stars uh, Zac Efron, Jeremy Allen White, uh, Harris Dickerson, Mara Tierney, uh, Holt McElhaney, I, I I hope I got that right, and Lily James. Um, Damn those European names! <laughs> but uh, I think you and I have been looking forward to this movie for a very long time. Um, I think we mentioned this when we did a few years ago when we we reviewed the horror movie uh, "Girl on the Third Floor," which starred uh, Phil C and Punk Brooks. <laughs> and I think you and I talked about how uh, there was a in the before we were doing a movie podcast that we started in 2019 back in 2018 we did a very short-lived uh wrestling podcast and uh you know so for those who don't know javi and i are actually really you know we're lifelong wrestling fans basically uh so we were very well aware of this movie coming out and uh we knew that this uh movie was based on a very one of wrestling's royal families uh for those who don't know you probably know at least this much is that there's like a there are several like you know what i would call royal families in wrestling right uh the von erics are one of them who are the subject of this movie there's like the anawaii family which are almost every like samoan wrestler that you see on television now like belongs to that family uh, um, everyone but Samoa Joe, really. Yeah. <laughs> Not to seem racist, <laughs> but um, and then also obviously the McMahons, you know who the McMahons are, uh the Rhodes family, um the Flair, the Guerreros, the Flares. Yeah. yeah, like you you know at least one of the wrestlers in all of these families. Um, the hearts. <laughs> we can't forget those. For sure. Um, a bunch of angry Canadians are gonna be pissed at us. <laughs> and I think uh I think the best way to start with a movie like this, this movie 
um, you know, we're, I remember seeing a lot of like articles coming out before and a lot of stories coming out before about how, you know, Zac Efron was completely transforming his body, uh, into this. And now this was going to be one of his big roles, like really kind of, you know, one of the bigger roles that he's ever had in a movie before. And I, I feel like this is maybe like him stepping into the next phase of his career. Like I know he's done stuff. Uh, you know, he's been in several movies as an adult now. He's transitioned for sure out of that, uh, out of what of <laughs> what made him famous long, long ago when he was doing Disney Channel like movies. But <laughs> um, school's your dream, Dad, not mine. I'm pretty uh, sure that was in High School Musical. <laughs> but um, no, like you said, he transitioned and then he did the comedy movies, right? Like he did Baywatch and he did that one Neighbors, I think, the one with Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen. Yeah. yeah, so he's like moved on from teenage. He's also played Rob. like he's also played like Ted Bundy. He was in the Firestarter remake, which I haven't seen. Um, he was in Bundy. I heard the Firestarter remake kind of sucked, but yeah, we will put that it. put it on the list. Yeah, um, but anyway, so so yeah, in this movie, he plays uh, Kevin Von Erich, who is a wrestler and a member of the Von Erich, uh, you know family the von eric's family ran a promotion uh called world-class championship wrestling uh you know in the, in the late 70s uh into i think the early 90s so for those people who don't know because obviously like i feel like now in modern times really all we know about wrestling is stuff like wwe and i think what a lot of people in generations after this you know, don't really know is that wrestling was different, you know, several decades ago. Mm -hmm. um, Vince McMahon basically nationalized or, you know, like a, he basically bought out all of these regional uh, wrestling promotions. Uh, and that's, that's basically how he created like the first global, you know, kind of enterprise around this. So the way pro wrestling used to work is different parts of the country would have what was called territories. And uh, they were smaller wrestling promotions that most of them were all part of this big, um, it's, I, I guess maybe the best way to describe it is some kind of a league, right? Some kind of a league slash governing body, which was the National Wrestling Alliance. Mm -hmm. So the way the National Wrestling Alliance was, is it was like a bunch of these like, you know, promoters from different territories that would get together and they would decide, you know, like who was going to be the NWA champion and the AW the NWA champion would like travel to a bunch of the different promotions, uh, face the stars of all of these promotions, and is basically a way to help every like region, you know, sustain their business, right? Um, oh yeah, because what you could do is you ran the NWA champion, you can run the same match, like you could have say Ric Flair versus Dusty Rhodes, right? Mm -hmm. And you can run that same match in like seven different territories and it's new in each one, you know? But so on top like but on top of that, you would also have like let's say for example, you and I are in the Bay Area. So I think if we were in the Bay Area, our I think our regional promotion like decades ago was something like Big Time Wrestling. I think Big Time Wrestling 
they would run shows out of the Cow Palace in San Francisco, Daly City. And they so they would they would build their own stars. They had their own weekly television program. And besides running the same match in different territories, you would also have the big champion come into your territory and face your homegrown stars and hopefully build them up to where they were big enough to you know, it, you know what I mean? Like your guys would, would eventually become the champion and then it would bring like good press to your promotion. So yeah, it's like if John Cena, just to put kind of a name that people might understand, it's like if uh, John Cena came to your state and wrestled the best wrestler in your state. Yeah. Um. So it, the, uh, you know, the, the Von Erichs were all, you know, this group of brothers and uh, World Class Championship Wrestling was started by their father, uh, Fritz Von Erich. Fritz Von Erich was a wrestler, I think, in the 40s, in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, mm. uh, primarily. And funny yeah, enough... These guys had long-ass careers. <laughs> yeah. Um, funny enough, uh, for, so Fritz Von Erich um, was a... You know, he obviously he's from Texas, right? Like these are all like they're they're American and they're Southern people, but he took the name Fritz von Erich because it sounded German. Wait. And in order to get himself basically heat, which you know, they call it heat in wrestling, but what it means is like to get attention, to get people to boo or love him, uh, because he was a heel, which is a bad guy. Um he basically was a Nazi. Like that was his gimmick in wrestling. <laughs> he, he, um, he, I think the, the, the family's actual last name is Atkinson or Atkinson. Yeah. And, uh, I believe, yeah. but, uh, Fritz to, well, but so Jack Atkinson is Fritz von Eric and Fritz basically, uh, you know, took his, I guess his, uh, mother's maiden name, because it sounded German, <laughs> and he was basically yeah, like a, a like a the Nazi, and uh, you know stirring people, stirring like shit up in other uh, in other promotions. But funny enough, like even though that's where he started, the, all right. So before I did this podcast, and I don't want to get off on too many tangents, but I feel like that's the kind of episode that we're gonna have here. I think the reason why I want to mention, like, you know, Fritz's uh, wrestling career mm -hmm. is because there is a book uh, from a sports journalist called David Shoemaker. Uh, his book was The Squared Circle, Life, Death, and Professional Wrestling. Mm -hmm. And uh, in it, he makes, you know, he he, he talks about the quote-unquote, you know, because Zach Efron's character, uh, Kevin Von Erich, is going to refer to it as the Von Erich curse, or mm -hmm. how there's a curse on his family. And you know the curse is obviously it's it's more metaphorical right like it just it's 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 what's happened to the family like their tragic events that had unfolded but there is also a i guess i guess legend in pro wrestling circles mm -hmm. that the birth of the von Erich curse was um that i guess fritz had wrestled a match in chicago and he was like you know um he was, you know, stopped uh, by by you know a fan, I guess, someone who an audience member uh, after a match um, in a dressing room, basically talking shit about him for the fact that he, you know, that he was being that he was uh, portraying himself as a Nazi, mm -hmm. and let you know the 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 legend says that this man rolled up his sleeve to reveal a tattoo inked by actual Nazis at, world, at a World War II co concentration camp. 
Oh, he, shit. he tells Fritz about the fact that he lost all seven of his sons in death camps. Oh. And that the last thing that he had told Fritz was he sincerely hoped that nothing like that would ever happen to Fritz. And it's like, why it, would he say that? <laughs> That's almost ensuring the exact thing would happen to Fritz. Yeah. Nothing. This has never been proved to be true. It is literally just like, you know, kind of a legend in pro wrestling. But th- oh that, my that, god, that is ins- that is that's eerie. That's really <laughs> creepy. Yeah. That's one of those like, uh, ew, <laughs> like some spine tingling going on. Yeah. For the for those that don't know, wrestling literally from like the late 1800s to the 1990s was protected so well that you you believed what was going on in the ring was real yeah it 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 was essentially i love that it has its roots in basically the carny like they were all carnival barkers like they yeah. were come come see the strongest men you've ever seen in your life, which is why when you see wrestling, you see the wrestlers in what looks like underwear, right? Because that mm. is what the strongmen would uh, would would wear, you know, in those strongman competitions, like at the beginning of the of the twentieth century. Um, we we literally talked about how we didn't want to get into the carny days. And we yeah. start talking about the carny days. Yeah, but the, but it was one of those wild things where it's like. Even though they were friends back in the day, the heels could never hang out with the faces because they had to protect the they had to protect the business and they had to make it seem like everything was going on was mm-hmm. real. So there would be guys that would get into like they lived the gimmick. If you were a villain, you were a villain in every town you went into. You never hung out with the good guys, and you held on to that till the day you died. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of dudes that like would like this idea of maintaining kayfabe or like the reality of the ring was like the bible for a lot of these older dudes yeah like that was the most important thing so it's like the fact that fritz to probably protect kayfabe like he probably doubled down talking to this like holocaust survivor so that is insane to me that's a wild wild story yeah so there's a lot of characters in this movie and i think the best way before we actually start getting into the plot of the movie is to just go over the main tragedies because it's we're going to talk about it as the movie (laughs) goes along and i appreciate this movie i'll say this i appreciate the fact that this movie gets this movie tells this story with a degree of sensitivity that Mm -hmm. um that that i think is it makes it makes it a much better film um, it can be very easy to exploit what some of these some of these tragedies that happen i mean to just get into the grisly details it could be something right yeah and, i mean and, shit in in an industry where literally ugh, wwf at the time like like a man died on a pay-per-view and that's something we could talk about later and they kind of monetized it. <laughs> I mean, hey, look, Brits does the same thing, right? I mean, uh, like I know that Kevin, the last surviving son, um, is like has always been very, you know, very 
in 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 the corner of his brothers and his father despite the fact that his father you know by all accounts was a monster right <laughs> um he's always like maintained that he's that he's had love and respect for all of his brothers and his father um but it, it, fritz is not beyond that either he he very much you know exploited <laughs> the death and so you know in some ways he didn't exploit the death of his son um and we can talk about okay so let's let, let's get into the kids now because the kids are where are the actual like you know i feel like this it's the greater the, focus of the film yeah um, this is where the true like that, that that's the thing this movie it's like I remember reading a couple of articles as this movie was coming out. People were talking about, is it a wrestling movie? Is it a family movie? <laughs> it's tell it uses wrestling as a vehicle to talk about a very mm-hmm. like human experience, which is growing up and being a sibling, being a family. And unfortunately the pitfalls that come with being such a close knit family as well. Yes. Um, so yeah. Yeah. If you want, let's, Let's talk about uh, the brothers and how originally they're in reality, there are six Von Eric brothers uh, and one of them actually didn't make the script because it was deemed too sad. Yes. And that the story would be too tragic if it included that much. Uh, well, that much. The oldest, the oldest brother was Jack Von Eric. Jack who Von Eric. Jack yes. Jr. Who, yeah. Jack Jr. Who was only mentioned in the film. Um, but he was, I believe, six years old, died at six years old. So Fritz was still wrestling at this time. And I guess they lived in a trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the only two kids who were around at this point were Jack Jr. and uh, Kevin, who is the uh, character played by Zac Efron. Uh, so I guess somehow um, Jack Jr. got electrocuted by some kind of electric uh connection or connector you know that 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 hooked into their trailer i guess i don't know Mm -hmm. um but he gets electrocuted uh at six years old and he falls face forward into i guess they said it was melted snow and drowns you know drowns in a puddle yeah yeah and um which is insanely like just I cannot imagine the kind of tragedy. And and I've seen, you know, like interviews with Kevin, with the real Kevin Von Eric, where he talks about how it's like, you know, being a three-year-old kid that he just remembered that one day his brother wasn't around anymore and him being really confused as to what had happened, mm-hmm. um, which is so tragic. Um, which is even a line in the movie that they say. Yeah. Um, the next oldest brother is Kevin, and he's really the guy who we follow in the movie, <laughs> and for good reason, because unfortunately, uh, Kevin the is, is the only one left. Yeah. Uh, the so uh, after Kevin, I believe the next one is David, right? David mm. is. If I remember correctly, he was the charismatic one. He was the yeah. showman of the Von Erics. Yeah. So, uh, d- yeah, David was basically the first one that that kind of became the solo star um, out of them. Uh, he was the guy who was, you know, the biggest, the, you know, the biggest, the tallest. Uh, the look w- of a wrestler. You know sure. what? He had the look um, for sure. Uh, but I think a lot of it was that he was just really good. Like he, he was just a really good wrestler and he had 
and he had gained the respect of a lot of people, you know. So Fritz, when he put his territory together, he basically just showcased all of his sons, said, mm -hmm. uh, said, my boys are, you know, the stars of the show. And because his sons were like, you know, white, blonde, really good looking guys, uh, they 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 attracted like men, women, you know, like the looks of their kid as well as how they were presented as the all American God fearing, like Christian boy, which is crazy, right? That the fact that Fritz starts off as a Nazi and yet like his entire family, like rebrands just a couple <laughs> decades later as like the most Texas red blooded Americans. Uh, he, he, went on to have, he went on to have an entire family of Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so D David was was the first one that was you know uh, that was meant to be like a, the NWA world champion. He goes off on a tour uh, in in Japan, and uh, and this is showcased in the movie as well. And we'll talk mm -hmm. about it in the movie. But uh, he essentially dis uh, dies of something called en enteritis, which is like a it's an intestinal uh, infection or, mm -hmm. or uh, you know condition. Uh, and there's like people in wrestling believe it was an overdose uh but there's no there's no proof of that like there's no evidence of that other than people talk about that they know that that bruiser brody who's another very fam famous wrestler of this era another was, sad uh, story to cover yeah a was day. disposing was disposing of drugs and stuff like that but i because i don't have any evidence that that's actually what happened enteritis is 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 and this movie as well like this movie doesn't go into anything like that enteritis mm -hmm. because it's the official cause of death it's what the coroner said was the cause of death it's what is the cause of death in my opinion what the movie does deposit is that he did wrestle injured a lot and yeah. that's probably where some of like the the drugs came from was probably you know using pain pills or using things like that but they don't again they don't deposit any any conspiracy theories which yeah. i really do appreciate which is which is a very known thing in the subculture of wrestling right like part of the reason why this era is so fascinating for wrestling is because it really is in many ways like the wild west despite oh, absolutely. like a lot of these places had to be like they, they had to be under like fight commissions and stuff like mm -hmm. you know like there were there were like different fight commissions and stuff in different states but nothing was regulated like these guys mm -hmm. were on coke they were taking pain medicine they were taking steroids they it, would show up drunk to shows yes <laughs> It is, you know, I think the other thing, too, is that it, it, the history of pro wrestling is much like the history of uh, American professional football, right? Like, it is, it's one of those things where it's like, yes, it's gotten a lot better, but it's a very brutal a form of, <laughs> a very brutal form of entertainment that comes with a lot of, you know, tragic stories because of the kind of business that it is. So, mm -hmm. um, Carrie was the next guy, and I think, I think Carrie was... He was the guy who was who was meant to be the big star. He was um, arguably the most talented wrestler. If he I was also the best looking. Like I mean, just in general, like people thought he was the best looking brother. Uh, that he was supposed to be the guy. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think the sad part in this movie, obviously, is that Kevin is like <laughs> Zach Efron is looks the most like a pro wrestler in this movie he has the most 1980s wrestler physique of mm -hmm. all of it so it really is weird that they <laughs> that they have like you know all these other uh all these other guys who who don't look as big mm -hmm. <laughs> being it uh but yeah jeremy allen white's character in this 
uh he's Carrie. Carrie was the guy who was who ends up becoming the the challenger who goes in the place of David mm-hmm. uh, uh to face Rick Flair. And this is a year before WrestleMania. So I I think this has to be one of the first like wrestling stadium shows of this kind, right? Like I, I don't mm-hmm. think a show of this magnitude was done anywhere else. They wrestled in Texas Stadium. Like they they had like a giant crowd in a football stadium uh to watch Carrie. He so his um basically like use his brother's gimmick, like what was it, the yellow rose? Like he becomes Yellow Rose of yellow, Texas. Yeah. yeah, he becomes the Yellow Rose of Texas for this match. He's wearing the robe and everything that I guess like David used to look kind of like David wore and and, and Fritz basically bills Carrie's coronation as a tribute show uh to you know to his son David. So yes. He is in many ways exploiting his son. <laughs> um, in, yeah, in, yeah in a in a way that unfortunately is not new to wrestling and it's a something that's been done has is going on and is probably going to keep going on yeah um mike is the uh other son in this film uh who was played by harris dickinson mm-hmm. he is the guitar playing um the, car, the guitar playing much skinnier brother who you know, I think outside of the initial three, Harry, uh, Kevin, and and uh, David, I don't think any of these other younger Von Erichs needed to be in pro wrestling. I think it's more of like, that's the tragedy, right? Like, some yeah. of these guys were not built for it. They were much smaller. Um, Mike well, was just... Mike, what Mike... happens to him is he ends up wrestling in a match, injuring his shoulder, mm-hmm. and I... Uh, I guess when they were on a tour of Israel, because I guess world class was very famous in Israel, he interesting. Ends up, yeah, he ends up needing some kind of surgery um, to repair his shoulder and his routine surgery. Uh, apparently, he gets some kind of very serious staph infection that leads to toxic shock syndrome, and he had like I think a they said like a. a a fever of like 107 or 117 some crazy number that he ran a high fever for yeah ran a high fever for a very long time uh which very likely you know they said gave him brain damage uh because of it and it's you know he come he actually tries to come back to wrestling for a little bit uh but it's just you know obviously was not good mm. uh he he didn't he he wasn't physically or mentally the same person that he was before the before the uh you know the the accident well before the injury and where he literally almost died and he was basically he, uh there was a podcast that I was listening to um uh this wrestling podcast that I love post wrestling mm-hmm. they did an episode on the von Eric family and they said that uh, world class basically billed Mike uh, upon his return as the living as the living miracle or the inspirational warrior. Uh, yeah, meanwhile they- the guy could barely like walk. Yeah, and and, they, I- and he he rushed himself back. I think after injury, um, yeah, it didn't work out for him. He ends up taking like, you know, he ends up dying uh, from taking like a bunch of you know pills. Uh, and and just dies uh, from an overdose. 
Yeah, I think believe that. Yeah, well, that's something we'll we'll talk about once we. Get and into the finally, I think before we get into the movie, we need to talk about one brother that isn't featured in the movie, and that's Chris von Eric. The Chris one Eric. that would have broken all our backs, I believe. Yeah, so Chris was the youngest brother. Um, mm-hmm. he actually ends up, um, I think his he was the shortest. He was like five four, five five. Apparently, like he was born with like a bunch of like medical, like he he just had like a bunch of medical problems growing up. That apparently he had like really bad asthma and whatever medication that he had like might have given him brittle bones or he had brittle bones. He was very prone to injury, um, mm-hmm. and he was like because he was the youngest and he started wrestling like I believe even after some of his brothers had already passed away he like put a lot of pressure on himself to be like one of the guys who who helped bring the territory back in the lean years because you have to you have to realize that like with all the deaths in this family happening like people people it felt weird for the audience right like you're like here are these good all-american wholesome boys who are all dying because of like accidents suicide you know mm-hmm. alleged drugs like it tarnished the image of the brothers and it tarnished the image of the promotion to the point where by the late eighties, them like a lot of the other territories were in very bad financial uh, um, situations. So meanwhile, you got that company to the North just buying everyone out. Yeah. So it's like already the territories are on their way out where it's not, you know, the, the wild West is kind of coming to an end and you know, it's, yeah. And pretty soon there's only going to be two big players in the game and a notable feud for Chris Von Eric. He was actually feuding with, um, uh, with wrestling manager, Percy Pringle and, uh, another wrestler who later becomes Paul bearer when he's paired with the undertaker in WWF mm-hmm. and the guy who he was managing, which was a very young at this time, stunning Steve Austin, who later uh, becomes some nobody that uh, <laughs> went on to do nothing and is inconsequential to wrestling. Yeah. Um, so it's like these guys are the guys who Steve Austin, Mick Foley, a lot of the guys of that era, The Undertaker, like those were the guys they were watching. These guys, um, mm-hmm. growing up in Texas, a lot of them. So, um, anyway, so he um had a lot of problems. Uh, you know, after his re- his wrestling career, uh, dealt with depression, um, and uh, he ends up killing himself by shooting himself in the head, and. Uh, I think so in this movie, Kevin is depicted as being the one that finds Carrie after he has shot himself, which mm-hmm. isn't what happens in real life. In real life, it's Fritz that finds uh, Carrie after he has shot himself in the heart. Uh, it was the I believe it was the film's way of kind of combining both because exactly because Kevin yeah. is the one that found Chris. Chris shot himself in the head. Yeah. And, he uh, and Chris... Kevin's the one who found him. Yeah, what was it? It was like, I think Fritz finds Carrie in the field, and then Kevin is, yeah, Kevin finds, um, yeah, oh man, I'm already forgetting the youngest brother. Uh, Chris. Chris, yeah, he finds Chris out in the family yard. All right. So now that we've gotten Oof. through all the grisly and depressing details, let's go ahead and get into this movie now. <laughs> what was your experience uh, watching this movie? What was that like? So I because I am a fan of pro wrestling, I knew that this was going to be a tough watch. Mm. So my experience with this was my wife and I, you know, decided to watch it together. 
I warned her for it about it over and over and over again because, and I warn anybody who I know that watches this who doesn't really know wrestling because I'm like, look, like this is one of the like saddest stories in pro wrestling. <laughs> like it, mm. it is get ready because what you're about to watch is going to be like, you know, it, it's going to deal with some really harsh subject matter, you know? Um, so we went in prepared for that. And uh, so I guess my experience is, I, you know, it's, it's, I mentally prepared myself for that. And I recommend mm -hmm. that anyone who has watched this movie, um, mentally prepare yourself for what you're about to watch. Yeah. For me, I got off work and I'm like, you know what? I just want to watch it. I just want, it was on a whim. It would just come out that weekend. It was like that opening weekend. And I was like, I'm going to watch this movie. And I was hanging out. My dad is like, "Hey, what you doing?" And I'm like, oh, "I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go watch a movie. I'm gonna go watch this movie, wrestling movie called Iron Claw." And I started telling him what it was about, and he was like, "Oh, that sounds interesting." And I'm like, "Do you want to come?" I'm like, "I told you." And I, I I told him I'm like, "If you come, just a heads up, I'm gonna cry at some point." <laughs> my dad just started laughing. He goes, "Yeah, sure, I'll go watch it." Um, so. It's really interesting uh, because my dad is the oldest in his family. Um, he's like the oldest brother. Um, so this movie hit him in a way I wasn't ready for. <laughs> and it led to some very interesting discussions throughout the weekend as we kind of talked and reflected on the movie. So uh, it was actually cool. I got to I got to share a moment with my dad uh, watching this movie and we got to really open up and talk about his own experience in his childhood dealing with um dealing with a domineering father that had a habit of putting his kids against each other and um learning how to try to break that cycle with me and so it was very much like a really interesting discussion around like fathers and sons and the relationship we hold as siblings too um so i was like yeah, <laughs> I wasn't expecting it. So I think because of that, this movie kind of like hit me in a different, in a, in a, it like hit me in like some emotional, a weak points I wasn't ready for. So, um, yeah, that might come through. In other words, Javi might cry or might tear up at some point talking about the movie during the podcast. Just adds up. Yeah. So it was a cool experience though. Um, yeah, and it was just cool to go watch a movie with my dad. I haven't seen a movie with my dad in a while. I think the last movie we watched was like Jurassic World Dominion. Was it Dominion? Probably, Might yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one of the one of the crappy Jurassic World movies. Yeah. So let's 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 get into it. Let's get into A24's Iron Claw. All right. So uh the movie starts in the late 70s, um where uh you know, our main character, we're following Kevin Von Erich, who, you know, his dream is to become the NWA world champion. Um, you know, he 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 feels like he's the guy who's going to be ready uh, for it. And you like find out that his like. Um, you find out that his like, you know, his father actually, um you know, wants to get their youngest brother to start wrestling with them. So I guess at this point, it's just Kevin and um, and Mike. No, not not Mike. It's Kevin and David who are the wrestlers. Um, yeah, it's like that we get introduced to kind of like the family around the house, right? 
Mm-hmm. And it's like Kevin, Mike, uh, and David are the only ones living at home with uh, Fritz. And uh, oh god, I forget their mom's name. Um, <laughs> their mom, uh, yeah, their mother's name is Doris. Thank you, Doris. Yeah. And it's like, and it's really. It actually is very heartwarming at first because it's like you see her cook breakfast for everyone, so she makes like twelve eggs because <laughs> they're all grown ass men. And, oh, look, we're about to see this cute wrestling movie about family. Is what a unsuspecting audience member might think. <laughs> yeah, because they go out of their way to like show how everyone. Yeah, like you said, they're all good old boys. They live on this ranch all together. They work on the ranch. You see that David is the musician and he, even though he has no penchant for wrestling, he likes being around his brothers. You see Kevin is the workhorse. He's the one that always follows dad's orders no matter what. And then you see you got pretty boy David. They all work out and just looking juicy as hell. <laughs> their homemade, their homemade uh, like backyard gym. Um and you know you see like the the training the training ring out in the back where everyone kind of works on like just working on pacing and cardio and stuff. So yeah, like you said, you're really lulled into security, thinking, "Oh yeah, this is a nice family wrestling movie." Um, and like you said, Fritz uh makes the joke about how he ranks his sons, which one is his favorite. Talking about David, no, that carries up top. Then it's Kevin, David, then uh, Chris. But the, the rankings can change at any time. You know and what? Then, this is it, it's funny that they mention this, and people are gonna like hone in on this. But I know that, like specifically, like uh, like you know, uh, NFL legend Deion Sanders, who was like a who's a Hall of Fame corner, and now like uh, teaches you know, a college, he's now a college head coach. <laughs> he's often talks about the fact that he actually, he does also rank his children. So maybe it's like an athlete thing. <laughs> that it has to be an athlete thing. Yeah. You, just, you probably say it as a joke at first, then <laughs> you just kind of commit to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and, uh, and they, they waste no time. The pacing of this movie can be really interesting where it can, where it moves at breakneck speed, they 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 speed through a lot of things. It's a uh, two hour movie, and it and it like, like it is long. I mean, it's look movies now are like three hours, but for a two hour movie, yeah, it goes pretty quickly because you go very quick from like the early like you know kind of home scenes to like seeing the brothers wrestling uh, together to. You know what? It, like then, then we jump quick to what Carrie is doing. I guess Carrie obviously is like he he's he's an Olympic, like he's an Olympic athlete, and they're all getting ready for him to 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 play in the Olympic games. And he's mm-hmm. like the last one that gets that gets uh, introduced in the movie, like out of yeah. the brothers that are here. So yeah, it um, takes a good half hour probably before he hops in. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, like you're saying, um, Kevin. Uh, and David makes their they end up making their debut in a tag team match against Bruiser Brody and Gino Hernandez, um, and that they kind of start cultivating a a following amongst the town. And well, I mean, everyone knows who Von Erics are, yeah. Um, and now and, and he ends up and Kevin ends up getting the attention of a young woman by the name of Pam, who 
in a very clever way, ends up asking him out, but making it tricking him into asking her out. It is the most movie thing. Like, I'm not going to dispute the way that they actually met, but it's, and I mean, in the best way, like, it is the most, like, cute, like, meet cute kind of way that they could do this. It's a very interesting choice to make Kevin seem like such a himbo. Because he feels like yeah. he's, it, it, he just feels not innocent in that he knows, like, he doesn't know what's going on. It's just that, and he's not playing dumb or anything. It just seems like he's not just thinking that far ahead. Yeah, which and I think was pretty accurate. It, like, the word is that these brothers were kind of meatheads, right? Like, they were kind yeah, of meathead jocks. <laughs> Because that's the thing. I, then I watched the Dark Side of the Ring about the Von Erics, and I was like, "Oh, never mind." <laughs> yeah. Because then you actually like Kevin is obviously in that in that episode. I'm like, "Oh no, you're really like this." That's kind of cool that they were able to capture that personification of him. Yeah. Well, I think he was. And Kevin was very involved, at least uh, work uh, speaking directly with the uh, with the director. Like I know he he actually only met Zac Efron like after the movie had finished filming um mm. but he did you know speak with and advise the director uh, a lot and mm-hmm. i remember reading and uh, hearing an interview with zach efron uh where you know where he mentioned that the director had told him that the only advice or or suggestion that kevin had made was you know please show that you know how much we loved each other because you know, our bond together as brothers really was the most important thing to us. And I think this movie mm-hmm. succeeds in that. Absolutely. Oh, 100%. Like so... they, they, they feel like they love each other. They have this, like where they all like kind of get together and huddle up together. Like that, that, that brothers hug thing that only becomes more like <laughs> sad as the movie goes on. And it's you cheesy know. until you start wishing you were a part yeah. of that brother hug. Um, so, uh, Kevin starts seeing Pam, uh, they go on a couple dates, they end up going on a date to a barbecue place where, uh, Pam asks for Kevin's opinion on kind of like strong-minded women to which he's like, Hey, I love it. Uh, but this is actually the first mention of the Von Eric curse, at least in the film where, uh, Kevin admits to not really like believing in it. But he did mention having how he wasn't. He's the oldest brother now, but he once uh, was an older brother. He talks mm-hmm. about Jack Jr. And um, however, you know, he mentions he doesn't believe in curses, and um, you know that I believe. Um, I believe this is where where he mentions that. Uh, the the story of the curse or the origination of the curse was when Fritz went uh took on the Von Erich name over the Atkinson name. Yeah. Um. So after that, uh, this takes us to Kevin getting his chance at uh facing the champion uh who at the time was Harley Race. Harley Race. Um, I. Wait, what happened? No, Harley Race, very legendary uh wrestler who. I, you know, for people who probably are more interesting, this will mean more to you. But his 
fit like this is how old or how how old school harley race was his finishing move was a move called the suplex <laughs> which is a move that literally every wrestler does now like these guys I've, were pioneers i've never heard of it what is this maneuver <laughs> So uh, they end up having the the match, and while they're calling it, um, Harley's uh, Harley's playing the heel uh, throughout the entire match, and he proceeds to kick the shit out of Kevin. Yeah, um, I think he, this is where he ends up throwing him outside of the ring. Uh, Kevin ends up landing on his back awkwardly and uh, straight on the concrete because they didn't have pads back in the day. Yeah. It wasn't really common to have uh, padded concrete floors on the ring side, yeah. mostly because it wasn't really common for matches to go outside of the ring. Well, and, and at this time, you know, wrestlers would beat the older wrestlers would beat the shit out of younger wrestlers. Like uh, it's it's absolutely, which and... I'm sure Harley Race was. Uh, absolutely famous for. And the funny thing is that there's a lot of first generation wrestlers that don't want their kids to be second generation wrestlers because of how they know that they will suffer like getting into the business. Like I, I remember um, hearing an interview with Dwayne Johnson, like where he talks about how when he talked to his father Rocky Johnson about wanting to become a wrestler, that like, like just basically like his dad did everything to, to discourage him from doing it from making him take bumps at a boxing ring, which were like basically wooden floors <laughs> to like mm-hmm. beating the shit out of him while they trained together. <laughs> and it's crazy. Cause yeah, that's just, and especially back then, that was just the mentality of the day. Things have changed now. At least, I mean, only as far as me and angel could say as fans and as outsiders of the business. Um, but I'm sure there's still some people that hold on, some old guard that hold on to that mentality of the olden days. Um, so here, uh, Kevin tries to fight through the injury, almost misses on the 10 count, gets back in. Um, and I think he he ends up winning after Harley Race uh, does the base move of attacking the ref, and that's what you do, you always bump the ref. <laughs> So he ends up attacking the ref, gets himself disqualified so that he can uh, maintain the heat of being like the the bad guy in this territory, um, which this ends up pissing Fritz off, um, who is now uh, due to you know feeling that uh, that uh, that Kevin can't really handle the 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 stress of being like the number one, um, especially after David came out and cuts this promo essentially challenging Harley race for uh, the following month to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this pretty much makes Fritz uh, not exactly lose interest in Kevin, but kind of get behind David as the new number one of the WCCW. Yeah. D- David jumps in the, in the wrestler rankings and in the child rankings in one fail swoop. <laughs> The child rankings. <laughs> <laughs> Which non sequitur. I'm still convinced our grandma had grandchild rankings. <laughs> anyway. Um, um but at least this I mean obviously the I love what what I love about this movie is Zach Efron like is really good at conveying the disappointment while at the very same time like seeming genuinely happy for his brothers and if you see interviews with kevin von eric like 
he that that's really what he how he like looks like he has this kind of like calm demeanor to him while at the same time it's like you feel the hurt in his voice when he talks it's mm-hmm. they need to give this guy oscar consideration for this movie because the I performance love, that he turns in like I, I love, I, jeremy allen white does a good job in this as well but i think zach Efron is very clearly like even even with Jeremy Allen White in it, Zac Efron is the best actor in this movie. Oh, absolutely! Like I'm just like as good as Jeremy Allen White did. Like Zac Zac Efron just killed it. Like I love the way he talks to David, and he's just like yeah. he's some like you said he somehow combines this this lover's brother, or he's happy happy but also disappointed, and you know he calls him out saying that you know I could have done. You know, why'd you take the mic for me? Why did you take my moment? I could have still done something, knowing full well that it's like he couldn't. <laughs> and this yeah. is definitely like his hurt. This is his pride and his ego talking. But at the same time, he's able to rein it in and be legitimately happy for David. Well, and the other thing too is that even David, it's like you have sympathy for David as a character too, because he even tells him, he goes, "Man, he goes, I." He's like, "If it was you, he's like, I'd, I'd be just as happy for you." And it's like there's there's a lot of sincerity in him saying that. Like mm-hmm. I know one way you're like, well, of course you said it. You're the guy who becomes the guy. Like, <laughs> but at the same time, mm-hmm. it's like you believe it. You believe it when he says it. Yeah. So with the United States bowing out of the Moscow Games in uh, summer of eighty, uh, Carrie's hopes of being an Olympic athlete or being an Olympian uh, are dashed, and. He comes back home to Texas to join his brothers uh, at the WCCW. Totally sucks, uh, but this also hammers in the point that I believe Harry was the most athletic of all of the Valley Erics. Um And it does kind of like pigeonhole them in, in kind of like that, that spot where, uh, you know, David is the natural charisma with the best look. Meanwhile, you got Carrie, who's the natural talent as well. Um, and from there, he well, and and then the addition, yeah, like it, it was David, Carrie, and and uh, and Kevin. Like this is their biggest, like the, it, where they basically cut their teeth and come up is six man tag team matches. So the three of them, Rios. the brothers, tag teams. And the other and the other wrestlers that they would be going against are the fabulous Freebirds, who were like you know their rivals and the guys who are like you know absolutely hated them. So, and and it's it's a really it, this it's really neat how wrestling works that way. It, it mm-hmm. like you start off in tag teams like Shawn, guys like Shawn Michaels, Steve Austin, like all of these guys start off as tag team wrestlers, and then for some reason when tag teams start breaking up. That's where that's where guys who cut their teeth and became fan favorites like end up becoming mega stars. It's such an interesting like way that that works. It happened with the Hardy Boys. It happened with Edge and Christian. Yeah. Like you said, with uh, with uh, Stone Cold back when he was a part of the Hollywood Blondes. Yep. So it's really and then yeah, Shawn it, Michaels, the Rockers. Yeah, it happens um, with the Rockers. Yep. Um, so it is it is wild, and then but at this point is probably like the heyday. This yeah. is probably when things are best for the Von Erics because uh the four of them are all under one roof again. Uh the three older ones are off like 
partying, they're getting into the bar fights, <laughs> they're living like essentially the wrestler dream. Um, usually, uh, usually David Carey, Kevin, and Pam are all together. Um, and while they're and you know, at a family dinner, uh, it, you know, David tries to share his uh passion for music with the rest of the family. Which, while everyone else is very supportive of, uh, Fritz is like, it's either wrestling or nothing, buddy. And we got to get you all trained up because you're looking a little yeah. pudgy. <laughs> his, his love for music basically goes over like a wet fart in church for his parents. And um, I think my I remember my wife talking about one of the things she could not stand about this movie. And I think that's kind of the point is that they that these were what these repressed macho uh patriarchal like kind of families you know high pressure stage dad like these are what these families were like where basically the kids like essentially i think you could you could argue that one of the things that that causes all of these bad things to happen to them is the amount of pressure that we're under these like kids that's exactly the same thing my dad was saying with why he he understands Fritz as a character, but he didn't say he could hate him because it's like the guy as his dad, as a father, thinking he's pushing his kids to be the best version of themselves, doesn't realize he's leading them down this really toxic um, road of self-destruction where they're trying to achieve this pinnacle that they may never be able to because well, they just don't the- seem good enough. Well, because even Fritz, Fritz never got the NWA world title, right? Like that was the one thing that eluded them. And he like he basically tells the sons, he goes, we've wanted that title in our family forever. It's not a like it's we want it. We Mm -hmm. want it. And it's like it's almost like it's yeah, it's like you're trying to do what you can to make your parents happy. And it's crazy because it's like now that obsession gets pushed onto their kids and it's like now those kids got to push themselves to to try to win daddy's affection and love and acceptance. But it's like it's hard when you have a kid like David who father, I do not want to be a wrestler. I want to dance and sing, which is just as flamboyant as being a wrestler. But yeah, I think your wife made a really good point that it does go back to this weird uh, macho centric family where it's like if only people could communicate <laughs> if there was just a little bit of open communication it could have saved so many of Von Eric's you know or maybe like the like maybe one of these outcomes could have been different um especially as we'll see later um but what what's really funny in touching about this scene is uh they end up the Von Eric's all the brothers end up sneaking out along with Pam um pushing the, the the family truck like a oh, half a mile up the road so that they can that they can escape without their uh without waking up the parents. Which is a totally high school move, by the way. My dad said he used to do the same thing. <laughs> and they end up driving some driving uh David to his gig and he's able to perform with his band and then uh meanwhile you got Carrie uh, doing keg stands with all with a bunch of local girls. <laughs> you got like David partying with other people, and then you have Kevin and you know sitting in the corner with Pam, and then he has that that wonderful line of just being like, "Look at all my beautiful brothers," and it's just a really like 
heartwarming scene. And if there's any scene that really covers how much these kids loved each other, it was definitely that. Like that really drove it home for me. Um by that point, um yeah, by this point that takes kind of like towards closer in the mid eighties. Uh the six man tag uh has officially blown up. To the point where they're running with the Freebirds at all times. They win the six-man tag team championship. Um, and I think at this point, uh, this is where David ends up wrestling Ric Flair, right? For the, uh, yes. for the world championship. Where he's supposed to. He's the mm-hmm. one that ends up getting picked to wrestle Ric Flair. And before we get to, you know, before we get there, we're also um, shown... The wedding between <clears throat> Kevin and Pam, which I think is wonderful. They have the scene of which is scary. Uh, you get uh, Kevin, you know, hearing uh, David, you know, puke in the bathroom, and and he sees that there's blood all over the toilet. Which you know, hey, it's a storytelling device, right? He's obviously he's he's ultimately going to die from intestinal problems. Um, it, it's obviously dramatized for the sake of fitting a narrative structure um so it, it's you get the scene of the two brothers where you know they're where he you you find out that kevin is essentially going to have a kid right uh pam mm-hmm. is already pregnant and part of the reason why they're getting married right now is so that they can be married by the time the child gets there so mm-hmm. um and, and it also implies that the party where they take mike to his gig that like he essentially loses his virginity there, right? <laughs> you oh, know? that's like... right. I forgot. There's the whole scene where they run <laughs> to the truck and he's like, "Have you been with anyone else?" And she's like, "Yeah." Does that bother you? He goes, "No. It's just I don't know what I'm doing." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is like just funny. It's it's you know, hey, it's like this guy who very clearly got a lot of attention from a lot of women. And is this true? I don't know. But he got a lot of attention from a lot of women, and he yet at the same time he's like this nerdy virgin boy, <laughs> nerd um, virgin boy. But you know what? Like it's one of those also like sweet things of how to handle virginity too. Oh, you, you need it. It, it. This again, this movie maybe doesn't do obvious. There's obvious reasons why you can't do everything 100 percent accurate. But what mm-hmm. this movie focuses on is how the toxic masculine attitudes. Uh, you know, it causes generational trauma. Um, you know, the importance of breaking generational patterns, um, when it comes to raising our children. Um, the importance of, you know, having a relationship where two people are of more equal partnership. Like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of progress. This movie has a lot of progressive ideas to where it works, you know, for yeah. us. And, and who's to say it's not true? I mean, Pam and, and Kevin are still married to this day. So clearly, mm-hmm. you know, they've they've had a happy life together. So <laughs> so the wedding it's really nice because unfortunately it really will be the last scene where all of these brothers are together. And uh, the scene of them doing you know doing the line dance to the John Denver song is, you know, it kind of became a meme online <laughs> and I saw the meme, but it really is a very nice scene in this movie. And I gotta say this, you know, uh, we know Zac Efron comes from uh, High School Musical. He is a very good dancer. <laughs> he's he's mm-hmm. like I saw all the guys dance, and they all look like you know people trying to focus on doing the right move. And uh-huh. uh, Zac Efron kind of glides. I got to give a lot of credit for his dancing in this. 
Well, funny thing, I mean, kind of a non sequitur, uh, real quick. Uh, the Marvel stunt team talked about how when they would teach like the people, like the actors that would do their own stunts, um, how to do certain things. Um, the one that was actually the best at it was Chris Evans because he has a dance background. Because mm-hmm. they they would choreograph a fight, so he just viewed it as like dance choreography. Oh, so yeah. he would just like break it down into steps and how that how very helpful that was. So you know what? A dance background could totally be helpful either in mm-hmm. any sort of combat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I did want to mention like um one more thing about the uh wedding scene. What was it? Uh yeah, they mentioned it was a shotgun wedding, or he makes the joke that it was a shotgun wedding. Um, no, actually, I think we're. Oh no, it was. Um, it was how uh Fritz just ends up deciding, uh, who does what, uh, because is that is this is that the first time he flips the coin, mm-hmm. and that coin comes back several times. It becomes a very symbolic thing throughout the rest. Oh of the right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the end. Uh, you know, after the Freebirds match, when they uh start picking who's gonna go wrestle Flair, it all comes down to a coin flip. Um, which Fritz then uses again and again. So, uh, at this point, uh, after the wedding, David is uh scheduled to go to Japan, right, for that show against Flair. Mm-hmm. Um. However, a week before the match, uh, while he's touring out in Japan, uh, they get the call that um, David died of, uh, now I can't pronounce it, enteritis. Um, They end up having his uh, body flown back uh, from Japan, and they have this giant like massive funeral that it looks like the entire town ends up attending. Yeah. Um and it was around that time that uh that um I think here is where uh Fritz says, you know, that you know, no time for tears <laughs> while all the guys are trying to process their emotions. Wearing sunglasses, he comes in and takes them all off and tells them that Von Erichs aren't going to hide. Uh, yeah. Never have and never will. Refusing to let his boys feel any sort of sadness. Um, Which is harmful. and But also, like, this was the period of the company's greatest popularity. Which, mm-hmm. and this, and this storyline of Carrie becoming, like... He basically Fritz would publicly say that uh, that Carrie reminded him of David in the way that he looked that he couldn't possibly be more like David if he tried, and mm-hmm. basically like said he's he's like you know he's just like David so of course he's going to stand in his place to win the championship so it's, it's yeah. it, wrestling is exploitative by nature so you kind of have to accept it <laughs> in yeah. this movie but you know it, they they again they presented in the film as the love of these brothers they're obviously going to be there to um you know to to lift their brother up or lift his memory up at this parade of champion stadium show so as they uh, settle the decision with another coin flip, Carrie ends up 
taking David's position, and he ends up facing Flair at this show. And like you said, this is where he takes on the mantle of the Yellow Rose of Texas and ends up, and I believe he ends up beating Flair, if I remember correctly. And yes, this is, this where, is where he becomes the world champion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is where I believe it's the NWA world title. Which sure is. It? Yeah. So yep. he finally brings the championship that has eluded uh, Fritz's entire career. And this is where it gets a little wonky. And this is kind of where the pacing gets a little off. Because yes. the movie implies that later that night, uh, Carrie ends up getting. Uh, very intoxicated after winning the NWA title goes on a motorcycle ride where he ends up crashing and has to lose his uh, right foot. Um, It should be noted that there is like, I think a two year gap between him winning the title and him actually uh, having to lose his foot uh, or having. And despite the fact that his winning the title was a big deal, he actually didn't hold the NWA championship for very long. Oh really? He was a transitional champion. I just yeah, he just didn't hold it for very long. Well, I mean, also back then they 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 were a lot more willing to kind of hot potato titles too. Yeah. So around this time, Kevin starts training Mike. Uh, now that Carrie can no longer wrestle, uh, or at least can't wrestle to the same degree he used to. Uh, the crazy thing about this, and and this isn't in the movie, but it is in the real life story. Like the fact that we didn't really talk about this, but after Carrie, um, after Carrie's foot gets amputated, like, and they do, and they do reference this in the movie that that Carrie is the one who wants to try to hide it. But it was like Carrie and Fritz, like the family did whatever they could to basically hide the fact that this guy's foot was amputated, which is insane when you think about it. Like he wrestled wild. with a prosthetic foot. Um, he was the one who eventually goes to WWE to wrestle. And even in WWE, I don't think they had any idea that he was wrestling, that he didn't, that he didn't have foot. Like, I don't even think they realized that, that, that his foot had been amputated. That's um, crazy. Although I know he's only in WWE, like long enough for a cup of coffee, really. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Unfortunately, I think what isn't in this movie, like, because they don't want to harp on it too much is. Carrie actually ends up having a bunch of legal problems. You know, he he had um he had a real drug habit. Um mm-hmm. and they obviously show, like but don't harp on like you said. Yeah. I mean, obviously, like if you lose your foot, like you there's a ton of medical problems that come with it. He got himself, he basically forced himself back into the ring way sooner than he should he shouldn't have been wrestling anymore. That should have been yeah. the end of his wrestling career. But Fallen he forces purposes, himself back in yeah. the ring. Stays, gets himself into shape. <clears throat> um, he becomes addicted to a lot of different pain medications, and he had to have been living with a lot of pain, like taking bumps every single night. And obviously, mm-hmm. I think by the time he came back, like he athletically was just not the same guy anymore. So mm-hmm. um, he goes to WWE, but by the time he's in WWE, like he's not the same athlete he used to be. <clears throat> um, he's not even like they take the Von Eric name away from him. He becomes a Texas tornado. So it's not even That's like, right. it's not even like he was wrestling under the family name anymore. Um, but you know, they, they were very happy uh, for him for making the move up North because by those years, uh, WCCW was, uh, it was the lean years. They really weren't drawing uh, fans like they were in the past. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so again, the movie deposits that uh, as a result of, um, 
Harry's accident that Mike started training to become a wrestler. He'd actually been training a while and he made his debut before um before uh Carrie's accident. Uh, however, for the purpose of the movie and the way it's edited and shown, uh Kevin uh Kevin is training Mike uh was not taking to wrestling as well as the rest of his brothers. And like Angel said, in one of his uh, in one of his first few matches, he ends up uh, taking a bad shoulder bump, which ends up uh, leading to him developing toxic shock syndrome after a uh, root- what should be a routine surgery goes horribly wrong. Uh, while he's uh, while he's out of the coma, um, you can tell Mike is and you know just not a hundred percent. You can tell. Uh, they 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 wheel him out for a um for a uh, what's it called press conference, trying to announce his return to the ring, where and it just feels very uncomfortable. And I think they did a good job of capturing how exploitative the business is, um, in that scene because although obviously throughout the movie we're seeing how Fritz is exploiting his own family's trauma to continue growing the WCCW. This is probably the most egregious and the most blatant it is where it's feel you just as an audience member, you just feel for it. You just can't help but feel sorry for Mike. And then Zach Efron just does a fantastic job of just moaning and being like, this is wrong. And even though he's sitting there, you know, trying to be the best possible son he can be, he's realizing that it's making him kind of be a shitty brother. Um, also around this time, uh, Kevin's first son is born and he actually makes the, uh, conscientious decision to change the child's name from, uh, Von Eric to Atkinson. Yes. Um, taking what would have been his, his mom, his grandma's maiden name. No, his grandpa's original name. That's what it was. Yeah. Um, and with Mike kind of out of commission because of his brain damage, um, Fritz continues to push him to uh, continues to push uh, Mike to try to get better and get back in the ring. Uh, unable to deal with the stress and unable to cope with the fact that he can't uh, do what his father wants. Uh, Mike unfortunately takes his own life. Uh, by taking a bunch of pills and walking off into the fields of uh, the family farm um, one night and uh, leaving his brother um, and his father to go find him uh, the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, so with Kevin kind of reeling from losing another brother uh, and having to go to another funeral, uh, he's the only one that can... Uh, step up for another chance to to uh to win the N, uh NWA championship. Uh now that Flair has come back to Texas. Um so this leads to a match between Flair and uh Kevin where Kevin ends up losing his cool, goes off script and just like locks in the family uh signature move, the Iron Claw, uh which is essentially where you take your big meaty hand and you just 
crush someone's skull between your index and pinky. It is a very mm. theatrical, very fun. Doesn't actually look like it hurts people, but it can hurt people depending on how they sell it. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of move, but um, but yeah, this is kind of a moment where uh, where uh, Kevin goes off script, locks in the move for too long, and essentially starts becoming a bad guy. Um, and while Fritz starts kind of uh berating him for uh for kind of going into his own thing and not uh doing what was best for the business uh in comes Ric Flair actually completely uh completely uh impressed by Kevin and tells him that he's okay with running this match whenever uh whenever Kevin wants to do it again right. um much to Kevin's surprise actually um and like you said this at this point, uh, Carrie gets a prosthetic foot and he's trying to learn to move around in it, trying to learn to still do cardio, being able to kind of move around the ring. Um, you get some heartbreaking scenes of Kevin and Carrie in the family ring, practicing and trying with Carrie just constantly falling over, unable to keep his footing. Um, and at this point, Kevin is kind of, or I'm sorry, Fritz has transferred a kind of responsibility of running the WCCW over to Kevin. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, Kevin is trying to also build a life with Pam and his kids where it's difficult because while Pam is still essentially while, while trying to run the WCCW, um, Pam is kind of a single mom. Like she, he's yes. kind of thrown everything off to the wayside. Yeah. Uh, to well, try be, to be, him trying to run the business, and then also just him dealing with the kind of family stuff they've been dealing with. Like there's a scene where, um, after one of the funerals, and I can't remember which one it, it was, uh, where you know Pam looks at him and says and asks him, "Are you coming home tonight?" You know, and then you see scenes of him going to sleep in the office. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was after Mike's, yeah. Yeah, so it's 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 you know it's watching him you know do first he he's going through that and then I, I know in real life uh, Kevin you know obviously dealt with depression and even had mm-hmm. like even even contemplated suicide at certain parts of his life as well. Mm-hmm. And it's hard because everyone has self destruction in certain ways in this yeah. movie. And in this one, Kevin doesn't drink, doesn't do drugs as far as like, you know, as you see, mm-hmm. like his brothers do. So his form is overwork. He yes. continues to try to be like he continues to try to attain that, you know, that that he tries to follow that model, that un, unattainable model that his dad is putting out there for him. And that impossible to reach brass ring that now to that is now claimed two of his brothers. Um, during the holidays, after uh Carrie's joined the WWF, um, he comes back and uh comes back with like this blonde girlfriend talking about how they're gonna go down to Mexico and that they were just kind of passing through to say hi to the family. Uh, Carrie ends up giving uh Fritz a gun as a Christmas present. Um, but he looks completely out of his mind, probably strung out or something. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and he gets very frustrated when uh Fritz doesn't want to go shoot it. Um and then one thing that this movie actually uh keeps besides uh you know removing the character uh, the the son Chris from the family. Um, Carrie also had two. I think he had two kids. Um, mm, so when, took when away he, his kids too, huh? Yeah, because his his daughter, Carrie's daughter, is um, was Lacey von Eric, who wrestled in TNA like in the 2010s. Like she, she was oh, a TNA knockouts right. uh, tag team champion with uh-huh. these other wrestlers, Velvet Sky and Madison Rain. <clears throat> so it's so yeah he he had he has a daughter that also went on to wrestle and in this movie it's weird they it, maybe just for time or for the for the device of storytelling they don't really mention his kids in this yeah it's kind of weird they do they do kind of like leave probably probably because of time honestly um but yeah unfortunately uh carrie ends up uh calling uh, Kevin that night and they has a conversation around the family's curse and how he constantly feels that the curse is following him and that you know he can't outrun it and uh, he tells Kevin how he's contemplating suicide to which Kevin responds trying to to tell to have Carrie tell him where he's at so that him and his dad can go get him uh, not to do anything rash uh, to just hold on for the night so that he can, you know, they can go, they can go see him in the morning. Um, yeah, so, uh, he, uh, Carrie ends up hanging up before Kevin can find out where he's at. Uh, so Kevin ends up calling Fritz, um, and just begs Fritz for help, but this is like the... Oh, oh, this is the part that pissed me off. Fritz just kind of responds, "You boys figure it out yourselves." And it's like a, it's this. It's Doris says that earlier in the movie too. Like it is the you guys needed to figure this out amongst yourselves. You need to decide this or amongst yourselves, which is it's a terrible way. (laughs) It pissed me off, and it caught me so off guard when Doris said it because Kevin was just all he wanted was someone Mm -hmm. to watch out for David. All he wanted was for Fritz to watch out for Carrie. And it's like yeah. they couldn't be fucked with the whole situation. Um, and the next man the next morning, um, Kevin comes up to the house and he finds out Carrie, grabs using the same gun he brought that he bought his father, ends up taking his own life in the family yard. Um Fritz coming running, hearing the gunshot, it ends up getting attacked by Kevin as Kevin starts strangling him and screaming in his face, I told you to take care of him. Um, and for a moment, you believe that he's actually going to kill Fritz, but he doesn't. He, ma- he manages to uh, let go of Fritz. Um, and then uh, this kind of takes us in, and I'm fine. I'm fine throughout the entire movie. And then you hear the gunshot, and you see Carrie up against the tree. Um, Kevin goes and he gathers Carrie's body and brings it inside, and is just like, finally, after losing <clears throat> his entire, you know, all his all his family, you know, he finally. Yeah. Even then, he's still not able to. He he's not able to kind of let out that emotion. Um, but this does treat us to a really 
Nicene, which is you know, and for you know, it's interpreted to be kind of um carried it's, on into the afterlife. It's an A twenty four scene, right? We're talking yeah, about an A twenty four movie. It is definitely the an A twenty four. The art house <laughs> slice of life. It's where... definitely an A twenty four scene. The way the way the way I kind of like the way I kind of like uh, interpret it is it's what Kevin is thinking is happening with Carrie at that moment. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that's that's the part that's pretty much kind of what I figured, too. Um, But we get this nice little scene of Kev of uh, Carrie on a boat making it back to the dock where there's David and. Mike waiting for him and he goes and he hugs both of them and I love how they greet each other because it's always hey brother and hey brothers mm-hmm. you know and then they go and uh they end up meeting Jack Jr. and I love the part where Carrie's like oh so I'm guessing you must be our oldest brother and it's like a little six-year-old kid yeah. um meanwhile um Oh yeah, and the, I forgot that like Mike's carrying his guitar, like David has uh, the championship belt. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, later on, well, we learn that Kevin ends up selling the WCCW to a promoter by the name of Jerry Jarrett. Yep. Um, at this point, uh, <laughs> Fritz almost threatened threatening to kill uh Jarrett if he ends up buying the company. Yeah. Um, his his mother Doris uh ends up giving up, kind of like being a housewife, and just kind of um ends up painting. Uh huh. After she ends up divorce, uh, and she ends up divorcing Fritz, is what we learn. Yes, in real life, she ends up divorcing him. Yeah, I think at some point she ends up at some point she ended up blaming him for the deaths of all of their sons. Yeah, it just became too much for their marriage. Uh, Kevin, I mean, it's, being... com- it's common for people to to set. It's common for couples uh, and married couples to separate after the death of one child. It just happens a lot. I mean, it is one of those things that that can happen. Now imagine um, five, and, four yeah, in this movie, exactly. five in real life. Like fuck. And then uh, being the genetic jackhammer that he is, Kevin uh, impregnates Pam one more time. Yeah. Even though in reality, I think they have like seven kids. Yeah, they have. I mean, like he lives with like kids and grandkids now. Like we got a lot yeah. of big family. Um, and here, yeah, and here, here's the part that gets everyone now. <laughs> yes, it, I. You know, okay. So I went into this movie just you know being prepared for everything. I, I got through everything, even the hard scenes of all the brothers who were beginning to die, even seeing all the tragedy that Kevin was going through despite the fact that I knew how this was all going to go, it is the scene where Kevin is sitting in the yard, you know, watching his sons. Yeah. Watching the sons play. And he just starts crying. And it's not even like what he says after, like that's one thing what he said after, but, but it really is. It's yeah. It's him sitting down crying. I was just like, Oh my God, this, it's just so painful to watch that. I, that was the scene that made me cry the most. Because he goes the entire movie not crying, losing all his family, repressing, giving up all his dreams because he was doing the best, what was best for the business and best for family. And he would push down every emotion and everything he ever wanted. He sacrificed. And they finally 
just to the point where he can't enough. Like, it's just enough is enough, and he has to let that emotion out. And he's just bawling his eyes out, his eyes out, not his ass out. Sorry, <laughs> bawling his eyes out, watching his boys, uh, play uh play football in the, uh, out in the yard. And then you know you get that awesome line where they're like, where his boys come running over to him and they ask, you know, Daddy, what's wrong? Um, so immediately Kevin apologizing for crying profusely. Yeah, and telling him that they should never see their daddy cry like that. And the first thing the son says is, it's okay, daddy, we cry all the time. And you're just like, can't help ball your eyes out here. You just hear the toxic masculinity just dying or being crushed. And finally, you know, you get that, you get that line from Kevin saying that, you know, um, I used to be a brother too. Um, and now I don't have any more brothers. Yeah. And uh, you know, you got you get the sons that say, Oh, well, it's okay, Daddy, we'll be your brothers. And uh yeah. They promise they promise that to Kevin. They end up uh hugging him, they end up going to play, and you get uh kind of like a textile epilogue talking about what uh happened to the Von Ericks after. On learning how they were inducted in the WWE Hall of Fame in 09. Mm-hmm. And how Kevin and Pam uh bought that ranch um together, then that uh so that their entire family can live on it. Uh the exact same, you know, kind of closing that loop to what he told Pam on their first date, saying that that's all he ever dreamed of was just owning a big a big patch of land for all his family to live on. Yeah, which is sweet. Like, I, again, I know the story from Dark Side of the Ring, the Viceland episode, um, that, like uh, that that he lives with his entire family on a ranch together. But I think the fact that they bring it all home in this movie is something that he talked to Pam about. It's it's very sweet. Unfortunately, in real life, um, he he was he did you know spend a lot of time with Fritz up until the point that Fritz finally passed away. He had like mm-hmm. some kind of brain cancer, and the cancer you know was it, mentally he wasn't right and uh mm-hmm. and he was he was he was up until the end kind of a monster to kevin <laughs> even like telling him things like you know if you had any guts you would have killed yourself like your brothers did like and yeah. stuff like that so it's again it, it really is um it's crazy that this guy has had to endure all that he's had to endure he is the sole survivor of this family and um you know, good for him that he's that he now has this big family of his own, and he's been able to live, you know, as as close to a you know great life as possible. And he even talks about it in the documentary, the Dark Side of the uh, the Ring episode, where he says, you know, he doesn't want people to feel bad for him, that he feels mm-hmm. like he's had the best life. And yeah, roll credits. That is Iron Claw, twenty twenty three's Iron Claw. Oh my god. That was that one was a rough one to get through. Yeah. <laughs> so Angel, I gotta ask you. Do you like the Iron Claw? I think it's pretty clear that I like this movie. I love this movie. Um it, it it again, I I know the real story, but I love this movie. I think narratively it's fantastic. This director did a great job. 
of of treating this subject matter with the highest degree of sensitivity possible. Um, things were alluded to; they're not outright shown. It's not; a, it doesn't feel exploited. It, the movie doesn't feel like an exploitation, which is good. That's what you want. Um, and I think the fact that it focuses on on the love that these brothers had for each other, it comes across. It feels like something that 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 someone took went to great lengths to uh you know to to paint a portrait of this family instead of just say look at all this bad shit that happened you know and um I, again i i think zach efron is excellent in this i think all the acting is really good i think the guy who played fritz is really good um but i, I yeah zach efron needs oscar consideration for this and uh he he hopefully he gets it because it's excellent uh the highest mm. the highest recommend i could give it is uh is is good I, I think it was one of the best movies i i saw this last year oh yeah has to be honestly <laughs> easily is one of the best movies from 2023 yeah oh man I, yeah i think all it right. goes it goes without saying but go ahead yeah go ahead. all right javi do you like the iron claw Oh my god, I love this movie. <laughs> it's it's a tough watch. It's a heavy watch. It's probably not going to be something I can see myself coming back to um too often. Pacing issues aside, and I get it. You have to you're trying to fit an entire family's history within a 2-hour time slot. It's not the easiest thing to do. Of course, you're going to have to omit some things. You're going to have to edit some things around. Um, that aside, I know that that irked a lot of people. That bothered a lot of people. Um, you know, it's one of those things where it's like sometimes in order to tell a good story and have a good movie, that's unfortunately the compromises you have to make. But what they were able to do with what we saw on that screen was fantastic. And it was a fantastic like script. I thought it was a great written film. I thought the like it was well directed. Those performances were fantastic. And honestly, yeah, Zach Efron really came into his own in this movie. And he definitely like surprised the crap out of me because at one point I really did stop seeing him as Zac Efron, you know, and I saw him as, oh crap, this is, uh, you know, this mm -hmm. is Kevin Von Eric. Kevin Von Eric. Know? It was one of those things where, like, even, even when I would see Carrie, I would still be like, no, that's still. Mm -hmm. That's still the bear, you know, <laughs> or how it like yeah. I would still think, oh, he's still he's the dude from other shit I've seen, which is fantastic, yeah. by the way. The bear, I highly recommend. Um, and no taking away from um crap, what's his name again? Definitely not taking away uh from Jeremy Allen White. Like he did a fantastic job as Carrie, mm -hmm. but it's just like the way Zach was able to just convey so much of the heartache and just a lot of the emotion behind what Kevin experienced. It was just fantastic. And this movie, being able to tell the story it did, showing the pitfalls of, you know, these macho, super hyper-masculine families and how they could have changed you know how the outcome of so many of these brothers could have changed 
if just little things were done, just little things like just talking to each other, being able to communicate, maybe having having that 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 chance or even just having foresight or having someone willing to 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 just ask, you know, am I wrong? Specifically Fritz, you know? And to see that universal story that you know, this is a like you said, a white wrestling family from Texas. And somehow my 60-year-old Mexican immigrant father from, you know, who who found a way to relate to this movie mm-hmm. um, to the point where we talked about it for an entire weekend, talking about how his own experience of being the Kevin of his family, trying to hold everyone together while they experienced hardships and heartaches. Um and kind of like and kind of living he himself living through having to sacrifice a lot of his own um a lot of his own well-being to try to be the good son um like the fact that he was able to also relate to this movie goes to show you how fantastic it, it, it was written and now this really is a universal story um it's just, yeah, don't like don't be turned off by the fact that this is a wrestling movie. I promise you, wrestling is the backdrop, but it, yeah, the it, it's it's just the vehicle for a much better story. And yeah, that's uh, that's that's it. I love the Iron Claw. <laughs> All right, and like thank you guys for joining us for this episode of the show. We uh, are very excited uh, for our twenty twenty four. Um, you know, for 2024 on the podcast, uh, this week, earlier this week, we actually finalized for the first time ever a schedule like from now all the way to about mid May, which Jesus, is really impressive for us. Stupid. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, it's as we talked about um, earlier this week, we really wanted to get input from our audience on what we should be reviewing. And I'm happy to say that pretty much every movie that's going to be on our schedule uh, for the first half of the year is, is, is picked by listeners of the show. So uh, we thank you guys for, for interacting with us on, on Instagram for putting in your ideas for movies for us to review. And we even included movies that have been on the docket to review for like a couple of years at this point. So um, very excited to finally get to all of these films in 2024. Uh, <laughs> and uh, as always, you know, please you know, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you can. Rate the show on Apple Podcasts. Rate the show on Spotify. You guys are already doing that. Um, our show is rated 4.5. So thank you guys for doing that. <gasps> and uh, please... <laughs> <laughs> So uh, we're very excited uh, for the podcast. I think it's just very exciting for us to to our Twilight series has brought in quite a bit of new, you know, new listeners. So again, <laughs> welcome to the people who joined us at the end of this last year, <laughs> and hopefully, where we go in this year makes you want to continue listening to the show. Do people call you and complain to you about my shitty takes about Twilight? No. You got you need to you owe me. <laughs> People were like, Why'd your cousin say that? And I'm like, fuck you, that's why. <laughs> Oops. Oh god. 
All right. Well, uh, again, you know, thanks for joining us for this episode. We appreciate you guys uh, following the show and continuing to support the show. And we're very excited to continue our 2024 uh, schedule. So uh, next week, we'll be back and we're going to be talking coach carter i think we need a break from some of this heavy subject matter and we're gonna go into another we're going into another based on the true story allegedly except i think when we get into next week's story it's a lot more it's it's a lot less base in reality than this is i am putting giant fucking air quotes around allegedly (laughs) and i am going to oh i cannot wait for this (laughs) i should actually i should reach out to my old basketball coach from high school (laughs) because he has some choice words about coach kent carter (laughs) please uh come join us next week we're going to talk the 2000 and four or 2003 uh movie starring samuel jackson so uh yeah we're very excited and we'll talk to you guys next week that's right he's in it too (laughs) so we'll talk to you guys next week later y'all